Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today we are going to explore the history of Berrien Springs, Michigan. Located in the middle of Berrien County, which is the southwesterly county in the whole region. So come along and join me. This is going to be a fun and interesting exploration into the history of this very interesting community. In previous podcast episodes, I have covered other towns and villages in the county of Berrien. I have uh, done an episode on Niles, Michigan, New Buffalo, Michigan, Stevensville, as well as uh, other parts of neighboring counties, but I've never done an episode on Berrien Springs. And it was thanks to one of my listeners out there that made the suggestion for today's podcast episode. So I began to research it and dig into the story and the history, and I found it to be quite fascinating, and I learned a lot from it. So thank you for the suggestion, and let's take a look at it. Berrien Springs is the site of the earliest settlement in Oronico Township, and it was first known as Wolf's Prairie, and that was in reference to the Thousand Acre Prairie in which the community was situated. The site had been a village under the leadership of a Potawatomi man named Wolf. Thus, it became Wolf's Prairie. The first permanent settlers in the area were John Pike and his family, and they arrived in 1829. The other co-founder of the village was Francis B. Murdoch, and uh, he has a very interesting history. He was an attorney, and I'm going to go into a little bit of his story right now so you can get a better idea of who he was. His full name was Francis Butter Murdoch, and he was born in 1805 in Cumberland, Maryland. And he attended an academy in Bedford, Pennsylvania at the age of 19, and he read law under Judge Alexander Thompson, and he was admitted into the bar in Pennsylvania. He would meet his wife, who whose name was Eliza Kimmel, and they would be married in the Presbyterian Church in Bedford in 1828. So he became a practicing attorney for a few years, and then in 1830, Murdoch moved with his wife Eliza's family to Michigan, where he would co-found and lay out the later known city of Berrien Springs, Michigan. Now, aside from establishing a homestead there, he worked as an attorney and he was the county's first lawyer. His two-story cabin was one of the first residences in Michigan, and it's now among the oldest surviving buildings in the state. Now, sadly, his wife Eliza would pass away in 1835, and he would move on to practice law over in Madison County, Illinois. And what's interesting about his post-Michigan career is he served as an Alton City attorney over in Illinois, and he prosecuted members of pro-slavery as well as anti-slavery mobs that destroyed property and killed several people during the 1837 Alton riot. And according to historical accounts, Murdoch was fair and impartial and applied the law equally on both sides, although he clearly sympathized with the opponents of slavery. So despite his efforts to prosecute 
both sides that were involved in the riot, he was unable to convince a jury to convict anybody. And so he became kind of disillusioned as an attorney, and he resigned and closed his law practice in Illinois. And then he would move on to St. Louis and begin taking on some very important legal cases. He would begin to take on cases that were known as freedom suits. He initiated these cases, and one of the most famous ones that he was involved with was the Dred Scott case and Harriet Robinson Scott in 1846, which became a major case that was brought before the U.S. Supreme Court. And there's a tremendous amount of history about that and how it related to the starting of the Civil War because the outcome of that suit brought before the U.S. Supreme Court was uh, quite disturbing and it upset the whole country. The, The court found that Dred Scott could not sue for his own freedom and the landmark case became known as the Dred Scott Decision. And the decision essentially claimed that anybody of African-American ancestry could not claim citizenship. There's a whole lot more to unpack with that, but I, I suggest you take a look at the Dred Scott case and look into it online. It's a fascinating legal case. If you've never read up about it, it is uh, something that is a, a major factor in the early pre-Civil War legal decisions that happened in the United States. So that was who Francis B. Murdoch was. And as I mentioned before, he was a co-founder of Berrien Springs. So where does the name Berrien Springs come from? Well, just like the county, it was named after John McPherson Berrien. John Berrien was a member of Andrew Jackson's cabinet. And when the lower counties here in southwest Michigan were organized, many of the counties were named after members of his cabinet. And John Berrien was his attorney general. Um, I I believe actually out of about 14 of the counties that were organized, nine or 10 of them were named for people that were members of President Andrew Jackson's cabinet, including the territorial governor, Louis Cass, who would later become a member of his cabinet. So a lot of these counties are often referred to as the cabinet counties in southwest Michigan. So John McPherson Berrien, who exactly was he? Well, he was born in Rock Hill, New Jersey, and he graduated from Princeton College in 1796, and he was admitted to the Georgia Bar in 1799. And Berrien would practice law in 1799 at the age of 18. And he worked as a private attorney until 1810 when he assumed the judgeship of the Eastern District of Georgia. And then he would serve in this position until 1821. And during that time, he was captain of Georgia's Hussars in the War of 1812. And from 1822 to 1823, Berrien was a state senator before becoming a member of the United States Senate in 1825. He would remain in the U.S. Senate until 1829 when he would resign from his post and become a member of President Andrew Jackson's cabinet as the attorney general. And he would serve in that position for two years until 1831 when he would resign. And there's a whole story about that as well. A lot of the members of Andrew Jackson's cabinet uh, resigned after two years. Uh, It was a very 
difficult administration and he lost a lot of his cabinet members and he fired a lot of them too. So the whole different story about Andrew Jackson. Berrien would return to the private practice and would eventually head back to Washington, D.C. in 1841 as a Whig in the United States Senate. And he would stay in that position until 1852. And John McPherson Berrien passed away in 1856. So the village of Berrien, which was what it was called originally before it became Berrien Springs, was platted in 1831. And the village of Berrien Springs was incorporated in 1867. It was the county seat from 1837 until 1894 when St. Joseph became the county seat. And the Berrien Springs Post Office opened with the name Berrien on December 4th, 1832. And it changed to Berrien Springs in April of 1836. Now, how that came about was that a man by the name of Robert E. Ward in 1835 requested that the name Springs be added to the name Berrien to describe the village's Berrien Springs when a mineral springs was discovered near the town. And so that was how it changed over to Berrien Springs. Now, from the beginning, Berrien Springs was essentially a rural farming community with only a few light industrial entrepreneurs. The village enjoyed a mild success as a tourist resort in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. In 1901, Berrien Springs became the home of Emanuel Missionary College, which was a Seventh-day Adventist institution. The institution renamed itself as Andrews University, and it's now an important part of the community and still is. Currently, the villagers are working hard on revitalizing the village through a combination of historic preservation and aesthetic improvements. Now, the village of Berrien Springs covers approximately 0.9 square miles, and it straddles two different townships, and it's located within the central region of Berrien County, as I described earlier. It's also on the banks of the St. Joseph River, which flows along the eastern and southern boundaries of the village. And when Berrien Springs became the county seat, it built a courthouse, and the courthouse was designed by a local architect named Gilbert B. Avery. And the courthouse was completed in 1839. And it's a Greek Revival-style courthouse, which emulated the architecture of ancient Greece with its large columns, triangular pediment, and white paint. And after the county seat was moved in 1894, the building was put to various uses and briefly it was vacant. And then in 1967, efforts to preserve and restore the courthouse were started and they were eventually completed by 1975. The restored courthouse square now contains Michigan's oldest courthouse as part of the Midwest's most complete surviving mid-19th century county government complex. Today, the square houses a county museum and archives and serves as a headquarters for the Berrien County Historical Association. And its original buildings are listed on the National Register of Historic Places. So the property is dedicated to the preservation of Berrien County history and does this through kind of a permanent and temporary exhibits, programs, and events 
as well as community outreach. Now, interestingly enough, Berrien Springs was once known as the Christmas Pickle capital of the world. Christmas Pickle is a lesser known Christmas tradition. It's a decoration in the shape of a pickle and it's hidden on a Christmas tree where the finder receiving either a reward or good fortune for the next year. So that was the tradition behind that. And there are a number of different origin stories attributed to this tradition, including one that was originated in Germany. That theory's kind of been discounted, although it's thought to be of a German-American tradition created in the late 19th century. And so Berrien Springs, Michigan, billed itself as the Christmas pickle capital of the world, and they held a pickle parade from 1992 until 2005. And they also held a pickle festival and parade, which eventually returned in 2021 after a 16-year hiatus. The festival had been established by the Berrien Springs and Euclair Chamber of Commerce, and along with the Berrien County Historical Association and the village. And it included parades, games, activities, and even a pickle prince and princess contest. And the event ran until the mid-2000s, but they recently resurrected it uh, in 2021. And the Pickle Festival now is a new annual festival they hope to maintain. And you can find information about the Berrien Springs Pickle Festival on their Facebook page and see a lot of great photos. And that's where they update all their planning for the next Pickle Festival, if you guys want to check it out. Now, the population of Berrien Springs is... Not tremendously large. As of the census of 2010, there were 1,800 people living there, which included 756 households and 463 families living in the village. Back in 1980, the census had the village as 2,042 people. So there's been a bit of a decline over the past several years, but there has been an increase a population in the village since 2000. The three top base employers, according to the Village of Berrien Springs website information, is Andrews University's number one, employing about 3,200 people. Berrien Springs Public Schools employs 250 employees, and a company called Gateway employs 63 employees in the village itself. Now, the village has an 8.85 acre park which is called the Grove, and it overlooks Lake Chapin, which is by the St. Joseph River, which is one of the big assets in the downtown village area. The village itself refers to itself as a built-out community with little land available for new development. It doesn't have a whole lot of uh, vacant land, essentially, that kind of works against it in a way if you look at it from the point of population growth, but at the same time, it creates that hometown atmosphere if you do live there and it makes it kind of a quaint place to live as well as um, a little slice of Americana when you have that hometown atmosphere. And as a result, they have a very low crime rate based on uh, the low population density. And this is according to the Berrien Springs Village information on their website. Another asset to the Berrien Springs area is the Lemon Creek Winery, which is located just outside of town. And that puts Berrien Springs on the wine tour list for that region. 
as it's in proximity to wine country. Now today, Lemon Creek Winery is a name with 160 years of grape and fruit growing experience. And it's located in Berrien Springs. And it's part of the Lemon Creek Fruit Farm, which has grown some of the best grapes in Michigan, which are used to create the winery's portfolio of wines. This is according to michigan.org, if you want to check that out. And the winery itself hosts a variety of events each year, including reserved barrel tastings, festivals, live entertainment, and much more. So not only do you have the Pickle Festival, you have the Lemon Creek Winery Festivals. How about that? So I've talked about a couple of notable people already that are associated with Berrien Springs, which is quite something. John McPherson Berrien, of course, he never probably ever visited Berrien Springs, and it was just named after him as part of that whole process. But Francis B. Murdoch is quite an interesting and notable individual. But who else might be considered to be a notable person that came from Berrien Springs? Well, I did a little research on this, and I found two more interesting people. One of them you might not know a lot about, unless you're a sports fan, but the other you're definitely going to know about. Let's start with the first one. Reagan Upshaw. He was a defensive lineman for five NFL teams, and he was born in Berrien Springs in 1975. Reagan Charles Upshaw was a defensive tackle, and he played in the NFL between 1996 and and 2004. He was selected by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the 1996 NFL Draft out of the University of California, Berkeley. So that is a notable athlete that came from Berrien Springs. Now, the other notable person who is also an athlete wasn't born or raised in Berrien Springs, but he is associated with it, and that is Muhammad Ali. Many people from the 70s and the 80s probably grew up with Muhammad Ali. He was the professional boxer, often referred to as the greatest, and generally considered the greatest of the heavyweights in the boxing sports history. And he owned a home in the Berrien Springs area. And, of course, today, Muhammad Ali is frequently ranked as one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of his time. In 1999, he was named Sportsman of the Century by Sports Illustrated and the Sports Personality of the Century by the BBC. And he began his career as a light heavyweight in the light heavyweight division in the 1960s Summer Olympics, which is quite interesting because he also was one of the torch lighters of the 1996 Olympic Games down in Atlanta. And he's, of course, noted for many of his amazing fights, Rumble in the Jungle, and his fights with Joe Fraser, and a whole lot of other athletes of the time. And they received a lot of national attention. And he met many of the presidents of the United States in those years and uh, had quite a storied career. And he's quite an individual. And it's interesting to note that he had a home right near Berrien Springs for many years. And sadly, Muhammad Ali passed away in Scottsdale, Arizona in 2016. So that's a little bit of history of Berrien Springs over in Berrien County, Michigan. I hope you enjoyed today's little tour through some of the interesting stories about that little village town. And it's amazing what you'll discover when you start looking into a location and finding out about its local history. 
history. And I had a great time researching this little story about uh, the today's subject. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like to reach out to me, as my listener did that recommended this story to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. Send me a message on there. Suggest a story in your area if you're interested, and I'll do what I can to see if I can put an interesting episode together for you on it. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.